When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me, as always, is our journalist and storyteller, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. This week, Dayton.com published a story on the 170th anniversary of a mystery that is buried beneath a tombstone in a local cemetery. So kudos to Dayton Daily News reporter Lisa Powell for bringing this one back up to the light of day. The clue to this mystery begins at Old Greencastle Cemetery, thought to be Dayton's oldest church graveyard. It's at the intersection of South Broadway and Miami Chapel Road in the city's Edgemont neighborhood. People have been burying their dead there since 1817. That's just 14 years after Ohio became a state. According to the website Find a Grave, nobody's been buried at Old Greencastle for a very long time, and the cemetery was pretty much abandoned to nature after its perpetual care fund ran dry 30 years ago. There are some old records about who's buried there, and those are stored at Wright State University, but many records were destroyed during the Great Dayton Flood of 1913. So while there are lots of theories that we're going to get to here, the only verifiable written record we have on this mystery is what's carved onto the weathered surface of a toppled gray granite tombstone. It reads, The Stranger, died January 4, 1851, aged 24 years, her kind and gentle spirits gone to a world of light above. Now, the use of the pronoun her lets us know this person is female, and we can speculate that maybe whoever ordered her stone knew her well enough to throw out the character traits of kind and gentle. I don't think those are things you'd put on a marker for someone you'd never met. It seems certain also that she wasn't local, just someone passing through town. Now, travel was hard in the mid-19th century. We've covered this topic before. It was a risky activity. Disease, wild animals, outlaws, not to mention good luck finding a doctor if you fell sick or acquired an injury on the trail. But as hard as it was, lots of people were traveling. There was a big wide west to be explored and settled. 
and homestead acts that enticed families to go claim their slice of the American dream. And the California gold rush was at its peak, with many eastern cities seeing their populations depleted as adventurers left to seek their fortunes. For her story, Lisa Powell interviewed Dayton historian Kurt Dalton, who pointed out that it wasn't uncommon for people to die and be buried with no identity. People didn't routinely carry identification. And America was a nation of immigrants, with many people who didn't speak English. If they died en route from point A to point B, who would know them? That hasn't stopped people from theorizing what happened to the young woman buried at Old Green Castle. The earliest story we have about her appeared in the Dayton Journal-Herald in 1911. That was six decades after the stranger was interred. The story said her story had been passed on through oral tradition by generations of Daytonians, and it characterized the tale as the strange and sad secrets of unlawful love. As the story goes, a trio checked into a local hotel room, a man and a beautiful woman with a baby. They were, and here's a quote, fleeing the wrath of kindreds or possibly only with a desire to hide their shame. To quote the paper, death claimed both mother and babe, leaving the guilty man but one alternative, that of bearing the wrecks of his unholy alliance. The grave was ordered to be dug by an unknown person, and the old sexton performed that task in darkness, save by the light of the moon and stars. And at midnight, January 5, 1851, mother and babe were laid away in the same tomb. The only ones present were the sexton, the undertaker, an assistant, and a stranger. The story went on to say, The night was a beautiful moonlit one, and the earth was covered with a mantle of crystal snow that lay everywhere in whiteness, save where the earth was disturbed by the new-made grave. The stranger, after requesting the sexton to heap the mound with snow until every vestige of disturbed clay was covered, handed him a generous amount of money and departed, and was never seen again by those present. It appears the marker was added to the grave that spring, and locals began to note that every Memorial Day, the gravesite would appear freshly manicured and adorned with flowers, the work of unknown hands. A few years after that story, there was another newspaper account that changed the lore just a little bit. They said the woman arrived at the hotel alone and checked in and then was joined by her lover. There was no baby. The woman took ill. A doctor was called to attend to her, but it was to no avail. After a brief funeral service, the young man who had come to join her, who declined to identify himself or her, made arrangements to have her grave covered with flowers every year. Now, the idea that there was a child in the story reappeared in 1926 when the Dayton Daily News told the story with yet a different twist. This time, it was a family of three. They arrived by stagecoach at the Old Phillips Tavern at the corner of 3rd and Main, 
just an evening stop on their way to somewhere else. In another year, that tavern's going to be torn down and replaced by the historic Phillips Hotel, an institution that signaled Dayton's move from a small town to a near metropolis that was prepared to offer some of the nicest accommodations in that part of the country. But not yet. When the strangers arrived, it was still the tavern with a few rooms to let. The proprietor saw that the family was tired and covered in dust from their travels, but nothing else noteworthy. They told him they'd be off again in the morning. However, in the early morning hours, the proprietor was woken by the husband who told him, get a doctor, get a doctor as quick as possible. His wife, as it turned out, had been suffering from an illness that had taken a violent turn. She didn't live to see the sunrise. The man stayed long enough for a burial at Old Greencastle and paid for the effort, but when asked, he refused to give the undertaker his name, and he left town with a child immediately after the service. There was a third tale about the stranger. This is an entirely different one, and it was published in a 1932 newspaper story. In that tale, the stranger was a beautiful young woman who showed up at a ball that was being held at the Beckel Hotel. The Beckel was another historic institution in Dayton. It was at the corner of 3rd and Jefferson, and it featured a grand ballroom that made the hotel not just a stopping point for strangers, but a gathering place for local high society and a destination for some of the country's best-known entertainers. The girl showed up at the dance that January of 1851. She was wearing an expensive, filmy ball gown when she suddenly swooned and died. This bit of lore goes on to speculate her death was either brought on by a heart attack or she had taken poison. Upon her death, it was realized no one there knew who she was, and she wasn't a registered guest. And as the days passed, not a soul in the city came forward to identify her. She was given a Christian burial in the ball gown she had been wearing. Now, all of these stories share one heartwarming detail. That for more than a century, mysterious benefactors left flowers at her grave every Memorial Day. I found a story in 1915, musing how the sexton that year said, the day before, the grave was bare. And when he arrived for work that day, roses had been planted on the mound and other flowers lay before the tombstone. Flowers were still being left in the 1960s, which was the last time this story was written about until Lisa Powell came along this week. I don't know if the grave has been barren every year in the past half century, but what the heck, if you find yourself near Old Greencastle in Dayton anytime soon, feel free to pick up the tradition. That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. See you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings.
You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy, and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.